Welcome to the Too Inquisitive Podcast. You're too inquisitive. There's so much uproar about the coronavirus recently, especially in the BVI right now, even though we have zero cases. Everyone is, is pretty upset about the government's laws about re-entry into the BVI because we're supposed to be opening back up December 1st. I'm not going to lie. I I personally don't agree with all of it. However, I'm not nearly as mad as everyone else is. I mean, we don't have the best healthcare in the BVI. Let's let's be real about that. But at the same time, we we rely on tourists. We rely on tourism. So I think we need to kind of balance it out. Now, if you look at our laws for re-entry compared to a lot of the other Caribbean islands, it's not that bad. We're not the best. We're not the worst either. We're we're okay. We're definitely okay. Um, I personally don't understand why everyone is this upset. And the thing is, the majority of the people that I see that are upset about this, they... They're, they're not even in the tourism industry. I have seen people in the tourism industry complain. I get it. I do understand the frustrations. I think, um, I don't know who's advising the government, but I think they need some, some better advisors. I know a lot of stuff is easier said than done, which is what a lot of people complaining don't understand either. But um, I think I think we can do a little bit better. I think we can definitely do a little bit better. And we talk about this in this episode too. But um, this next guest, he is more so known for his accomplishments in the music industry. I'm a huge fan of his work. He's with Wolfpack Entertainment. He has produced on what I would consider a critically acclaimed, acclaimed, critically acclaimed classic album at least in my opinion, The Third Pillar, done by Kilatuma. And, yeah, introducing Dante Hodge. All right, Dante, so what's up, man? Man, everything good. It's been a great day. I went and casted my vote today, so that was dope. Um, Went and voted Ollie, definitely encouraging everybody to go out and vote, um, well, when when will this episode come out? Because the election might already be done. Is this episode coming out on Monday? I'm not sure what Monday what is. What? Is. Let me check the calendar really quick. That would be the second. Okay, yeah. So this will be perfect. Cut out. Election day is the day after the third. So okay. yeah, if you're listening to this, definitely go out and vote. Um, make your voice heard. You know, it's an important election for obvious reasons. So definitely go out and vote. I don't care who you vote for. I mean, you have your opinions, but at least go out and be represented is why I say. Yeah, def- and this is the American election, just so yeah, American everybody election. Yeah, oh, yes, yes, is listening. Because I, obviously, I I um from the BVI, but I was born here in the States, and I spent all my life in Tatola, King Adambe. So, you know, I have that dual citizenship thing going, so... Yeah, I, I get to participate in both both countries' elections, which is cool. Um, it's great to, you know, 
see the contrast and have my my voice be represented in both countries so yeah definitely if you can vote because i know we have a lot of bv islanders who in the same boat as me um where you you have passports in both places so if you can if you able to if you're in the place because obviously the wall on lockdown right now so if you have the opportunity to do so definitely do so i agree you know what's really interesting to me is um in the bvi especially Mm-hmm. A lot of people born in the BVI or from the BVI, a lot of them have dual citizenships, tri- triple citizenships. Yeah. But then when you go to like other places in the world, that's not necessarily a norm. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what makes us special. I mean, just when you look at where we geographically located, I mean, we're right there close to St. Thomas, St. John. So that makes sense. And then we use the US dollar. So it's like, we're just unique in so many ways and... That's why I think we we probably the most special people in the world, if you ask me. I know that's a biased opinion, but I just <laughs> think that we the we the most special people in the world. I share that opinion. Yeah, I very man. much do. Like people like me, I'm even I would say like in my case is super special because I have basically like quadruple citizenship in a sense. Oh, from where? Yeah, because I was born in Toronto, Canada. Dope. Um, my mom is from Barbados, so I have citizenship there. My dad from Tola. And then um, because, you know, when you're from Tola, you automatically get citizenship in the UK also. Right, yeah. So that's, that boom. That's dope. Yeah. yeah, that's all four right there. Yeah. Dope, dope. So what part of the states are you living in right now? So I live in Atlanta, Georgia, um, on the south side, just south of Atlanta. I mean, we call it all Atlanta, even if you're from a small city or a city outside of Atlanta, everybody just call it Atlanta. So Atlanta, Georgia, you know, the mecca of entertainment, which is why I'm here. Yeah, I was just going to get into that. I was going to say, so you specifically chose Atlanta because that's the industry you're in, is the entertainment industry. Yeah, so I've always wanted to work in the entertainment business. When I left high school, I went to St. George's Secondary. Um, Shout out to all the St. George's kids out there, um, if you're listening to this. So I went to St. George's and... I knew probably from like Fort Farm that I wanted to work in the entertainment business as an audio engineer. And, you know, I went to Full Sail University in Winter Park, Florida. And then, you know, after graduating there, you know, and and taking it serious because I graduated top of my class there, I was like, yo, I got to move to a city where entertainment is just always popping, you know. And the, the three options were really... New York, LA, and Atlanta, Miami a little bit too. And I had actually got a job offer in Miami, but for what they wanted to pay me and what it would have cost to live in Miami, it didn't make sense. So Atlanta became that place because my father was already living here. You know, the music scene was popping. I wanted to work in music. Movies were starting to come here. So I was just like, yeah, Atlanta is it. And I've been here ever since. So how long how long you been in Atlanta? So, so it was since high school or no? So I in high school. So I graduated from high school in twenty ten. I tell him my age. So ten years ago, um, and then right after in twenty eleven, I moved up to Winter Park, Florida, which is just outside of Orlando. So I went there, lived there for two years, got my bachelor's in recording arts, and then I moved here in twenty. That was twenty twelve because I did an accelerated program at Full Sail. So I did four years in two years. So I, I moved here in 2012. That's dope. Yeah. I think um like for me, because I want to get into the entertainment industry also, but not on the music side, more in um filmmaking. Okay. And like um like I really heavy into the YouTube scene and that kind of stuff. Yeah. 
So I actually like, especially this year for sure, I've been looking at leaving the BVI just to pursue that because obviously, you know, it, it's a lot easier to make it big in the States. And um, a few of the options I was thinking about would have probably been like Atlanta, LA and New York. Yeah, I mean, I f- yeah, I mean, as far as, I mean, those are the best options. I, I feel like Atlanta... I would point the number one spot, and again, that's a bias opinion because I live here, but when you look at the cost of living, you know, just where the entertainment business is doing, like, all of all the movies being shot here, you know, all the TV shows being shot here, you know, we are podcast companies popping up left, right, center, you know, this is where music has been popping at for the last, I don't know, five, six, seven years, you know, so... You know, I would make a good argument that Atlanta is the best option, especially with everything going on in the world right now. I mean, New York has taken a hard hit. L.A. has taken a hard hit. Atlanta, too. But because the business will kind of here, I feel like we we ain't take as big of a hit as those other cities. What's the what's like taxes like in Atlanta? Because I know taxes heavy in New York and it's heavy in L.A. So how is tax in Atlanta? Um, You know, I don't really... I'm not the best person to ask just because I just look at taxes as it is what it is, you know, but I know as far as compared to New York, I know taxes because a lot of people moving here for that very reason. So I know compared to New York, taxes are good. I don't know what the contrast is to LA. LA taxes is like almost 50%. Yeah. And, and, and I know New York in like, like, like at 40 or something, something crazy, not too far behind that. So, yeah, Atlanta would definitely be the best option out of the three in that case. It's interesting because the because of like the how the pandemic has gone now and it all these celebrities and stuff it showed them that they can use the internet to kind of push a platform and they don't necessarily have to be in specific cities anymore because the internet is so is so available now. You see a lot of celebrities yeah. now leaving Los Angeles because they're like, why am I staying in Los Angeles to deal with all of this tax when mm-hmm. I could move to a different state? Like Joe Rogan, for example, just left Los Angeles. He he just moved to Texas. And he said like right. his prime one of his primary reasons was just because tax. <laughs> yeah, I mean and it's and it's interesting because I know Dallas right now is is if you are a business person and and you're in that tax bracket where you know like the jerogans of the world right dallas looks so appealing because of what they do with their taxes you know i know so many businesses probably are looking at dallas and i know that's why jerogan moved there because you know obviously he just had his big spotify deal you know um so so why not? I mean, the, the goal is always to keep as much. Yes, you want to pay taxes, just you want to be a good citizen. But, you know, I feel like sometimes some of the tax law could be a bit excessive. So, you know, why pay more when you could pay less? True. All right. So um, let's talk about you specifically in the entertainment okay. industry. So I know you with um, Wolfpack Entertainment. Yes. And I've, I've been familiar with you guys mostly through... Um, following you and following Tuma. Yeah. So um, you say you were doing the engineering, right? Yes. So that's what you primarily do on, on the team? Okay. So to talk about Wolfpack, I, I think I got to go back a little bit. So Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Um, Like I said, I went to St. George's 
and we were all friends in high school, you know. So Killer went to St. George's, Jacob, who's another part of the team, an integral part of the team, he also went to St. George's. Sham, who is a part of the team, he went to St. George's, you know, our whole circle. We were kind of in high school together and we kind of all start doing music together. You know, the whole rap group scene, we kind of start doing that together. And when we, when I went to Full Sail, Killer and Jacob were already in Orlando. Jacob were going to Full Sail also and Killer were going to school up there same way. So naturally, because we had already know each other, we start, you know, hanging out together and we just kind of build a brotherhood and we just start, you know, just chilling together on a weekly basis. Sometimes a few times a week we'll be hanging by somebody's apartment, just vibing, you know, and being so young, fresh out of high school, having all that freedom, we all driving. Like that was like just such a fun time. And what happened around that time is the Hangover movie had come out, the first one. <laughs> and it had a moment in the movie where they were like, we're the wolf pack or something like that. I think yeah, the, yeah. the big guy had said something like that. Yeah, I remember. And we, were like, and we were like, yeah, 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 wolf pack, yeah, wolf pack. And we were kind of all comparing each other to like that circle of friends. And like, we were like, oh, you just like him. You just like him. And then we just kind of rolled with that. And we were like, yeah, we're the wolf pack. And then... You know, Killer hadn't been doing music for a while and Jacob and him were roommates and Jacob, I kind of get him into doing music. And one day, you know, me and Jacob were talking as we usually do. You know, that's my brother. Like that's that's I mean, we are brothers, but over the years, me and Jacob have have built like a special friendship you know, and just talking like we normally do. And we were like, yo, we should start a company. Like, you know, we see the business. We see how things aren't necessarily done the right way. We were like, let's start a business and do things the right way. Do things our own way. We sit in here waiting for opportunities. Let's create our own opportunity. And we were like, well, what we should call it? We were like, then we were like, wait, Wolfpack. We've been calling ourselves the Wolfpack for, well, for however long. We were like, yeah, Wolfpack Entertainment. And, you know, we had shoot the idea to kill her. You know, he had just put out his mixtape 96 like a, a year or two prior to that so he was kind of back in the swing of things we should die there to him and we're like yo dog like this is what we want to do we should do the same together like you could become a part of the business like let's do this thing and let's do this thing the right way let's create a movement um he said yes and the rest has been history you know we put his first project the third pillar three years ago we wrapping up his last project i mean the project is done recorded so we just kind of putting the finishing touches on it hoping to get it out before the end of the year so you know it's been a cool ride it's been a learning experience it's been dope and as far as what i do um we own the company so we are we we are the business guys and then we're also the technical guys so jake have and i we engineer so I'm a recording engineer, mixing engineer, I record podcasts, I record voiceovers, you name it, live sound, I do it. Um, same with Jacob, you know, he he's had his fair share of recording, you know, does a lot of mixing. So we kind of put together our technical minds and, and mix and record the projects. And then, you know, we also figure out the business. So how we going to market the project? How we going to, you know, what a video is going to look like? What what the artwork going to look like? You know, how do we assemble a team to get this to the right people and get this to as many as as possible? So, you know, we are we a are three-person team, you know. And and I think for, for three people figuring, out, figuring it out, we kind of do well. We kind of make it look like it's more of us, but it's really only three of us. Um, and of course, we have the extended circle, but as far as the people who are doing it and, and running the business on a daily basis, it's just three of us. So, yeah, that's that. That's the long, the long version of that. 
that's actually really interesting. Yeah. Um. So besides recording music and like besides having Killer as an artist, mm-hmm. what else does Wolfpack Entertainment have under their belt? What anything else that you guys do specific? I know you just mentioned like you're recording podcasts and that kind of stuff. So like, what what everything else are you guys doing? Yeah. So we have a few artists that we work with. So there's Trav P. Uh, okay, and then yeah. we have familiar an, with him. Yeah, Trap P really dope. You know, he kind of more in his developmental stage. So we just kind of, you know, working with him to develop him before we really, really, really present him to the wall on that stage, you know. Um, and then we have another artist. We ain't really announced our partnership with him yet, but we kind of working with him. Um, we had Pulse VI, which was a radio show. That we are kind of pulled back on. We had that going for a while, but you know, we wanted yeah, to kind of change. We wanted to kind of change the format for it, and then kind of everything happened, and now now the wall in kind of a disarray. But we're definitely looking forward to bringing Pulse Vi back, and we just want to be involved in entertainment in in all aspects. So we aren't opposed to you know producing podcasts, you know stuff like that. We're always looking. But we have to be mindful because we're a small team. So there's only so much that we could do before it's too much for all of us to handle. Um, but, you know. Don't, don't want to bite off more than you could Right. Yeah. And we've had to learn that. We've had to learn that the hard way in some ways where it was like, we wanted to do this. We wanted to do that. But then it's like, it's only three of us. You know, we hope to expand the team. But even that, we have to be strategic about that. So before we get to that place where we have a team where we can delegate a bunch of stuff. We just have to be careful of how much we put on the plate because we don't want to have a potential artist, a potential gem in our midst that we're working with. But because we had the time and attention to give them the time and attention they deserve, we we drop, we we we, we fumble the bag on that gem. So, you know, yeah. All right. Okay, so now let's get more into the music okay. side of things. Mm-hmm. So... I would assume on Killer's last project, the Todd Pillar, you probably handled a lot of the engineering on on that specific project. Or yeah, so yeah, me and Jake have we handle all the engineering. We don't outsource any engineering. So everything that's recorded, everything that's mixed, is the two of us. You know, we definitely hope that in in the near future we could bring somebody on to kind of help us with some of that. You know, so that we could handle more of the business and and on all the other stuff that we have to handle. But, you know, as far as all the engineering goes is is us, you know, we were just, we just had a trip here. They came to Atlanta a few weeks ago. We were putting a few final touches on the album, you know, doing some referencing and it was, it's us, you know, and, and I like it that way, you know, because we have, we definitely have a rapport together. We have a sound, we have a way that we, we don't work. So, you know, and, and that's what we love to do that. We love, I mean, we, we engineers, we nerds at hearts, at heart, you know, like, even right now, you tell me we're doing this interview. I have a whole mic set up. You know, I have it running yeah, through so. <laughs> a preamp. You know what I'm saying? Like, we just nods at the engineer and stuff. This, this is what we love. So I think no matter how far into the business we go, we'll always have our hands in the engineering in some way. Yeah. I, I can relate, but on the video aspect to right. it instead. So um, did you work on 96 also or no? Yes. Yeah, so 96... Yeah. It was a little bit different how the team was, was set up. So at the time that 96 came out, Jacav was mostly killer engineer. So I was a part of the team, but it was more like almost like a consultation type thing. So 
I might tell Jcav like, yo, change this in the mix or what if we tried this? And then as as we built and we were like, Jokoy or Killer, he were like, well, we got two dope engineers. Like I want Bowtie mixing. He was like, I love how Bowtie y'all, y'all the engineer and do y'all things. So how we could do this? So what we end up doing is we were like, okay, Mike, Jcav, you're going to deal with all the vocals, Dante, dance. You gonna deal with the beats, and that's how we to do it. So I to mix the the beats, and Jake have to mix the vocals, and we to kind of come together and put everything together, and it'll be a mix done by both of us, and that seems to work. You know, people love the sound of the third pillar. You know, I think it's a sonically amazing album. I mean, we've grown so much since then. So of course, there's stuff we would have done different. But for where we at, where we were at at that time, I think it was so perfect. You know, so clean. And I look forward to people hearing this next one because the the sonics on this one is insane. Well, for for me, the third pillar, I consider it a classic. Like that album to me. It's like appreciate that. It's it's one of the very few albums in this wall, and I could I could probably count them on my hand. It's like um Eminem, Recovery, the mm-hmm. Marsha Matters LP two, um Kanye West, Jesus, and probably a few other albums. Is albums I could literally start from song number one, and listen straight through to the complete end. And the third pillar is definitely analysis. Uh, and even wow. um, I wouldn't even say like like I don't know why, but we have this thing where people call it like vi music, like vi rap or whatever, right? Yeah. When I hear the third pillar, I don't consider that vi rap. To me, that's that's just rap. That's hip hop. And yeah, I remember yeah. that last year when I was in Barbados, um, a lot of my cousins, they are some some hip hop fans also, and I played them the album, and they were like, "Yo, this this is nice." Real. Yeah. No, that's love, man. And. You know, we appreciate being mentioned in such amazing company. I mean, you know, when we make music, we try to create a body of work. You know, we we pride ourselves and we know the fans hate this about us, but this is just who we are. We pride ourselves on being, we, we create bodies of work. We create art, you know, so stuff that's meant to be consumed as a whole thing. So when we created the Todd Pillar, it was a story. You know, it's a very specific story. Yeah, there's the music, a song good. You could turn up to it. You could vibe to it. You could sing the little catchy lyrics. But if you really listen to it, there's a story being told there that starts at track one and ends at Apollo Mission. You know, so the same thing with this next project is a very specific story. And we 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 have that same mindset of you of where we we do we create rap music you know yes we rap with an accent but reggae is accepted by the wall dance holidays is accepted by the wall so why should we feel that we need to rap in any accent other than our own you know no 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 all music could be accepted just like how drake the have popcorn on records drake the the pun his jamaican accent his fake jamaican accent whatever the case may be so we truly believe that where virgin Islands music is right now we have the best opportunity to take the industry by storm and say hey listen to this listen to this unchanged this is who we are and you know the people gonna sing it just like how they the sing popcorn they might not understand all the lingo but they'll still be singing it so yeah i agree Walk me through the thought process, like or, or the creative process. The difference is between coming up with 96 okay. and coming up with the third pillar. 
What was it okay. like doing? Because I know you guys made them at, at two completely different times. And yeah. obviously, listen to the Todd Pillar. You could see that you guys definitely matured a lot more. Um, you became more experienced. The sound is much cleaner, more well put together. So, like, walk right. me through the, the different... Um... So, okay. So, for the Todd Pillar, we just wanted to have fun. You know what I'm saying? Like, we weren't thinking about the business. So, we weren't thinking about the entertainment business, the music business. We were just like, yo, let's put together something dope for the people. And, you know, Killer hadn't put anything in a while. You know, he always ha- had this. He, he has always been fascinated with, like, you know, just just the the nuances of Virgin Islands culture that nobody would talk about, right? Um, and, you know, he just wanted to tell this story about the whole 96 era. And, you know, we, we just wanted to put together this 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 motion picture that that people can listen to you know and and kind of go along on this story where it's like there's the skits you know it's almost like you are passenger going throughout this story of 96 where there's you know all this stuff happening we know about some of the stories we don't have to talk about some of the stories but we know about some of the stories some of the stuff happening and you know we just wanted to create something something unique you know we wanted to cater to his his core audience at that time, they they were very trap heavy, you know, very street oriented. So we we wanted to create something for them people, but it ended up a lot more people than we expected liked it. You know, there were women who liked it, you know, all types of people, politicians liked it. All types of people loved, loved um, 96. Um, and then for the Todd Pillar, we were like, okay, we've kind of grown from just the trap stuff. You know, we necessarily, we, we, we cool dudes. We good dudes. You know, we want to seem like we're promoting negativity, you know, even though it's a specific story that had to be told, but we don't want to seem like we're promoting negativity. So we were like, how do we expand upon that story? You know, and you know, all of this is by the way, you know, how, how does the status kill to come up with a concept and it's our jobs as the engineers and producers to kind of help him, you know, put the picture together. So he come in with all the elements and we saying, oh, we could put his hair. You could do this hair. So shout out to his great and amazing mind, first and foremost. All credit to him always. So he came to us and he was like, yo, I got this concept of Todd Pillar, right? The BVA, we got two main pillars. We have the financial pillar. We have the tourism pillar, right? But then there's the one pillar that nobody don't ever talk about that we all know about in the BVI. Yeah. You know, we <laughs> all know about it, but nobody don't ever talk about it. So he was like, let's 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 talk about that. Let's tie in the other pillars, but let's talk about that and let's continue the story from 96 from a different perspective. You know, so that was the, like Offshore is one of my favorite songs on the project because I feel like it's the song that glues the project together because is playing on the financial services industry, is playing on the tourism industry, and is playing on the Todd Pillar. Um, and we just wanted to tell that story, you know. We wanted to tell the story of, hey, this is a thing where we're from. This is a part of our culture. You know, literally, the in some ways, the Virgin Islands was built upon this thing. So we told that story. But then we also wanted to make sure we paint in the nuances, like, even though, yes, that's a part of who we are, in a lot of ways, you can't get to where you might want to go, whether that's, you know, experiencing life, having your freedom, you know, all of this stuff. There's a limit to where that lifestyle would get you. And, you know, that's where 
you know, we uh, Apollo mission kind of ended the project and that, that was like taken off, no pun intended, to like another train of thinking, another f- like way of thinking, another perspective to where, yeah, there's a street life. Yeah, there's, there's certain opportunities. You could get certain things in the streets, but there's repercussions for that. So how do we get to those same things in a more productive way to where you might not lose your life, your freedom and what's not? And then that leads us to this next project, you know, which is going to be, it almost feels like a three-part story. There was 96, there was a third pillar, and now there's this. And I feel like people are really, really, really going to love this project because there's something for everybody, you know. On the last project, people was like, you know, yo, we, we, well, women specifically, they were like, yo, we want love songs, we want music for us. We address that, you know, we address you know, so many things. So people are really, really going to enjoy this project and just the the growth and just the progression of the story and just his maturity. You know, he's grown so much. You know, he's lived so much in the last three years. You know, Hurricane Irma happened. You know, there's so much to talk about. Yeah. You know, and I look forward to the people really digging into that. So hopefully that answers your question. It does. It, def- it definitely does. Based off of the success mm-hmm. from the third pillar, because like, like you said, everybody loves the third pillar. Yeah. Based off of the success for the third pillar, did you guys feel any pressure to have to come back? Like, like you need a lot, because like the third pillar was a, a, a string of hits. The whole album is basically hits. Did you guys feel the need to duplicate that success with this up and coming project that you guys are working on? You know... I could only speak from my perspective because I'm sure they would have different answers. But my perspective would be that, no, we don't feel that pressure because we, we just have a way of, you know, and maybe this is the the stubbornness in, 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 in us. Um, but we just kind of do what we want to do. We kind of do our thing. And that's that's kind of the dope part about you know, us owning our own company, us putting out the music on our own, us not having to depend on anybody. You know, we kind of set our own pace. You know, we know the fans don't like that we would take so long. So we definitely want to be better at that going forward and not taking so long to pop music. But at the same time, you know, he has to live. He has to grow for the music to be what they like. Um, So we, we really didn't feel any pressure because we did just make music for where we at right now you know and that's that's kind of what's worked you know that's literally you know people appraise like songs like the like street legends and Traptola, but that was just a time capsule of how he was feeling in that moment so the music that he's making right now is the same thing it's a time capsule for how he feel in this season of his life you know so no pressure man no pressure um the the only thing that i just sometimes think about is his original core fan base, the streets, the street guys, because, you know, we we just don't make as much as the music anymore or not as gritty as we used to. You know, we used to make like really gritty street music, you know, really gritty. It's definitely a more polished. Yeah, it's a lot more polished, sure. you know, a lot more double entendres, like he playing with words to where it could come across to. It's like Trap Tola was a trap song, but it's like he played with it to where it, it could kind of play on a radio also if it had to, you know? So sometimes I do wonder about that part of the fan base, but what I notice is that part of the fan base has grown with us. So 
that the percentage of people who want him to make that gritty stuff is very small because a lot of the people have grown with us and now they want to hear a more mature killer tumor. So we love that. I actually enjoy both sides because there's days I'll still put on the, um, the disc records where he had with um, Pope <laughs> D, God rest his yeah. soul. Rest in peace to Pope D, a legend. Rest in peace to Pope D, another legend, yeah. And um, But at the same time too, I'll still turn around right after that and um, put on the third pillar. So it's yeah. like, there's a place in my heart for both. The The reason why I like Tuma is because even back then, his ward play, I feel, was a little bit more ahead of the game in terms of yeah. a lot of VI artists. For sure. A lot of things sure. he can say, and it's very apparent on the third pillar. Like, it's, it's still, like, how, how old is the third pillar right now? It's three years. So June years. 30th, what was three years, yeah. And I too sure I could listen to this album again. And it's something that I'll only now catch on to and be like, ah, okay. Like, you know, like, it always have, like, those, like, you have to listen. And that's the great thing about classics. You have to listen to them over and over and over so you could fully understand. Because you're you when you listen to the first time, you say, yeah, man, it's a good piece of work. But you might right. miss miss some stuff. Yeah. And, and that's what we aim to do. That's that's what we aim to do, you know. Because when I think about my favorite classic albums, like I'm a huge Jay-Z fan, you know, and I feel like every time I listen to a classic Jay-Z album, you know, it's, it's almost like every time I listen, I'm a little bit more mature than I listened than I was when I listened the last time. So it's like my perspective just picks up something differently. And that's, that's kind of what we aim to do too. So I appreciate you saying that because that's definitely part of the goal. I think you guys definitely accomplishing it so far. And like I said, the third pillar, to me, lyrically, the way he was able to tell us stories and stuff, it's like you could almost compare it to to like a J. Cole. Yeah. Yeah. And and we are fans. We are huge fans of the J. Coles, the Kendricks. You know, those are the people who we study, you know, because at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, we know we have a long way to go before we on that level. But at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, that's the type of company we want to be mentioned in as far as lyricism, telling stories, evoking emotions, and creating classic bodies of work. Mm -hmm. So, um, like you were saying, like Atlanta has become kind of like the hot spot for like the hottest mm -hmm. music. Definitely within the last five years, you could even argue and say within the last 10 years, because you have people yeah. like Future and Young Tug. Um, but those people, they make a specific type of music and kind of bred what we call now like the mumble age era. Right. But Tuma now, even though he might be in that same age group, you guys seem to be sticking to more classic old, like the old school style of rap of like the storytelling and stuff. Have you guys ever this like thought about moving into that mumble kind of style or um i mean that's a great question i think it's a fair question but you know we we have accepted who we are you know we have accepted who we are we don't ever like we have songs that we've made that probably sung more radio -y, you know but What's funny is we typically gravitate away from those songs, like a lot of those songs just sitting in our Dropbox, you know, because we've just kind of accepted who we are in the music that we make and we're confident in it. You know, we're confident in the fact that, you know, at some point, 
this music is going to catch and everybody is going to want to have our sound. So why should we chase their song when we could get our own song popping and then they're going to have to come to us to get what we have? We've seen it happen over and over again with Caribbean culture. So yeah, that's that's just how, how we approach it, you know. And even radio like we don't even make songs for the radio necessarily. You know, we just kind of make the music and then after it's done, we, we might say, oh, this song like something that could be on the radio, but we didn't go into the studio with the intentions of, oh, we're going to make a radio song, you know. Nah, that's that's just not how we work. We 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 all about the organics and we all about, you know, just feeding the fans. And, you know, once we cater to that, that'll grow and we'll get where we're supposed to be. I would assume right now the fan base is predominantly the biggest in the Virgin Islands, right? Yes, yes, definitely the biggest in the Virgin Islands. We do look at our analytics a lot and we are all over the place, but definitely the biggest in the Virgin Islands, but we are definitely working to change that. But we all over the Caribbean, like, you know, we popping in places we didn't even know, like Antigua and Anguilla. Of course, the U.S. Virgin Islands, um, we got listeners in sync. It's all over the Caribbean. Um, Actually, a, a, a big percent of, percentage of our numbers is like largely other Caribbean countries also. So one thing we're trying to focus on with this new project is just dipping into our region a little bit more. I think the mistake that we all make as artists and entertainers out of the Virgin Islands is thinking that we have to pop in America, you know, and I think, I think it's a mistake. You know, I started to realize, I think that a train of thinking is a mistake because we have a whole region. We have a whole Caribbean region of people who would probably gravitate towards our music quicker than America would gravitate towards our music. And that's why you look at it, there's, there's dancehall artists that, that pop in, pop in. Because they got popping in the region first. There's reggae artists that popping, popping. Because they got popping in the region first. So it's just for us to make our own hip-hop and rap pop within the region. So we definitely look forward to focusing on that. And really using those analytics to, to kind of mark to different countries. And hopefully travel to some of these countries to promote this next project. Have you guys tried looking into like promoting in like West Africa and those kind of places? We've talked about it. We haven't looked into it yet, but it, that's a good point too. Even West Africa, because our cultures have so many similarities. So, you know, that's probably one of them that's going to be on our list, especially now in the digital era. And it's easy to like make ads specific to certain places. You know, we definitely want to take advantage of some of that. So definitely, yeah, West Africa is definitely one we'll add to the list, you know, because Afrobeats is, is popping right now. And again, there's just similarities to Afro beats and certain dancehall music, certain reggae music. Like we share elements or cadences, even in the hip hop, how we flow on beats or cadences. A lot of that come from 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 our African roots. So, mm-hmm. got to tap into that. Definitely. Um. So, like, what what is what's the feedback right now in Atlanta? Like, like, is the music popping in Atlanta itself too? So, I wouldn't say the music is popping in Atlanta, to be honest. You know, we have a large a large group of Virgin Islands people that live here in Atlanta that are big fans of the music. You know, we have relationship with a few DJs. I have my industry friends who have played the music for. So far, everybody who I play the music for, every DJ, 
that we give the music to, the feedback is always good. So I think our job now is to build that base up here, you know, to because that's that was one thing I would say we could have done better with the Todd Pillar was, you know, kind of pushing it here in the States a little bit more. Yeah, because I um, honestly feel like the Todd Pillar is a very marketable album. A I very, think so too. A very international-wise inter- marketable album. Yeah, and, and it's funny that you said that because after the Todd Pillar, he had two shows. He had one show here in Atlanta when we had come up. Um, and then it was a show called Coast to Coast. And then he had one in Orlando. Um, so when we first did the first one, we had do, what song we had performed? Cuban Links. And we realized that Cuban Links, it was a little too far for them to kind of get a grasp of what it was about. You know, so then for the second show, we had to do Trap Taller because we figure it got a bounce to it. You know, everybody could basically understand what he's saying. And if you don't understand what he's saying, you can at least rock to the chorus enough to catch the vibe. So for that second show, we did a lot better with Trap Taller. So, you know, that's that's kind of part of the learning process too. Seeing, you know, keep doing what we're doing. But seeing what songs we need to market in or push in one market, because what we might push in the Caribbean region might be different for what we, from what we need to push here in the states, just because you know they're gonna be drawn to different things for yeah. different obvious reasons. You check so mm-hmm. very yeah, much. That's that's part of the learning experience. But you know, like I always tell everybody, you know, the the, the most beautiful part about what we're doing with Wolfpack is. We learning as we go, you know. We learning as we go, and and we getting better with every project, you know. We getting better with 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 every move that we make, you know. Just building teams, putting teams around projects. Cause well, we don't have a huge team. When we have a project that we need to put, we could justify that budget to kind of put a team around a project. So you know, we just getting better at point putting those pieces together. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Yeah. How how soon are you guys looking to release the new project? Before the year is up, so oh, <laughs> I mean that that soon. Yeah, we 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 just just because of the content of the project, we feel like it needs to come out this year. Mm-hmm. So we're really pushing hard to get this thing out before the year is out. Um, you know, obviously, we just we just got some heartbreaking news about the opening of 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 our country. Yeah, um, <laughs> we're we gonna get into that next. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess we'll get into that, but of course, that affects how we move a little bit because mm-hmm. a large part of how we roll out a project has to do with home because home is home. So, mm-hmm. you know, that affects us a little bit. So we have to think about that and consider that now. So, did you guys have a have a date you were looking at before, and then this kind of mess it up, or we have a date in the back of our minds? You know, it's. Mm-hmm. That date might change depending on how the next two weeks go because we have lots of things that we need to wrap up and get done in the next, like, two weeks. So we have a date that that we kind of toying with in the back of our minds, you know, but now we have to consider how that would look, you know, if we needed to travel home to market the project, you know, how that would look. You know, we, we have to consider a lot of things. So, you know, unfortunately, we're living in crazy and trying times, so... You know, we, we just want to do our best because at the same time, while we want to make sure we put the project out the right way, 
we also realize that people need the music. You know, the Todd Pillar, we've we've gotten so many comments and messages about how the Todd Pillar helped people get through the devastation of Hurricane Alma and Maria. So, you know, we want to give people music to help them get through what we're going through right now because we all need that escape. So I agree. We're thinking about that too and considering that. Makes makes a lot of sense. Alright, yeah. so um before we we start touching on um on local politics politics and issues <laughs> yeah. and stuff. Uh, I want to get into the business side of the business, basically. Okay. Uh, you guys, like, is the business right now basically, like, financing itself right now? Are you guys to the point where you are doing this full-time? Or you this, is this still what you would say, like, a side hustle? Great question. I don't know that anybody has ever accessed that. So, great question. Um, no, we are work full-time jobs. So, you know... I mean, it's self-finance. That's the good part. You know, we all finance the business and the music. You know, the the catalog, the small catalog that we have helps finance the business too. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, we all, and that's that's kind of the good and hard part because we all sometimes get so caught up in our own everyday lives. I mean, I'd be doing a billion things. I, I have a full-time job at the studio and then all the side projects that I also to be working on. So, you know, life can get crazy, but, at least we have the means to support the business to where we don't need, excuse me, we don't need to look for any investors. I mean, if, if investors come along and they make sense, we'll, we'll probably look at considering that. But, you know, for right now, you know, we kind of self-sufficient and, and we hope to, to keep it that way, you know, just because we like kind of being able to do things on all time, all way, you know, not, not, not having to worry about paying anybody back or paying a lender back or whatever investor back, you know? So yeah, yeah, we, we are work full-time job. We hope to, in the near future, to, to be able to fire our bosses. Um, but for right now, this is kind of where it is. And we just rolling with the punches. That's good though. At least, um, it seems things on the right path and hopefully pretty soon things take off. Yeah. Especially I, I, with this I confident, project. I confident that, you know, in the next three years, you know, we could all, have fired our bosses three years or less. That's that's the that's the time I'm giving us. That's good, man. That's good. All right then. So okay, let's get into the the local politics. Well, actually, first before we get into local politics, how has the pandemic been affecting you personally? So, I'm extremely blessed. I just wanted to start by saying that you know I I'm extremely blessed, and I'm thankful for all my blessings because. So many people have lost jobs, you know, have been struggling throughout this pandemic. And, you know, I've been in the fortunate position to where I've been working the whole time. You know, I guess that's a blessing and a curse. The blessing is I've been working the whole time. The curse is <laughs> I've been working the whole time and I've been outside the whole time. Yeah. Um, But I actually started this full-time position at the studio, like, literally in March. So the pandemic starts to get bad in March and I started this full-time position in March, you know, as head engineer at the studio. I had been at the studio for some years, but they fully finally brought me on full-time. So that was a blessing because, you know, typically I'm doing a lot of freelance work, you know, doing a lot of traveling. I travel to record podcasts, which I was doing a lot of like right before this. I just came from LA and New York recording um a podcast for, for Spotify with Dion von Furstenberg. And, you know, that was great. Got to meet some great people. And, you know, 
right when this thing hit and uh, freelance work dried up, I had this full-time position at the studio and I kind of just held the studio down throughout the pandemic and it kind of worked out. So, I mean, of course, I have my freelance work has dried up. So I haven't been doing a whole bunch of freelance stuff. I mean, I've been mixing music, so that's been dope, you know, but haven't been doing, doing haven't been doing a lot of podcast recording or anything like that. So that's dried up. But at the same time, I have this full-time position. I've been, you know, investing in the team at the studio, you know, figuring out some processes at the studio, making sure our studios are up to our rooms are up to par, you know, so that's been dope. You know, I've, I've been enjoying that and I'm thankful for that. I mean, I am ready for a break. I am ready to come home, but I'm thankful, man. That's good. It's good that, um, things, because like even some people like me, for example, we necessarily haven't lost our jobs, but we still had to take right. like big pay cuts and stuff. So like yeah. I walk, yeah. I walk at the airport here in Anigata. And a- okay. airport authority since what was this, June July, they basically cut everybody pay in half. Oh, yeah, yeah. And um, we were supposed to get our regular payback again in September, because that mm-hmm. was I think that was the original plan for the BVI to open back up in September. But yeah. then that that spike of cases happened, and then we went back into right. lockdown, and then they said, okay, well December. And the airport authority said, well, since we're not opening back up, then y'all just going to have to keep this half pay until December also. Wow. Yeah, so it's, yeah. it's been some months now that we walk in our half pay, which kind of sucks. But, I mean, it's it's still better than a lot of the people that have completely lost their jobs. Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing, man. Like, you know, it's almost like, yeah, it's half pay, but then... And, and that's that's how I've been looking at my situation, too, because obviously if I was still freelancing, I would be making a lot more money. But at the same time, I good, I comfortable, you know, I'm thankful, things are going well. So, you know, I just try to just try to keep my mindset in that place of gratitude. You know, and just look at the positive and, you know, be prayerful for the people who aren't as fortunate as me so that their situation can hopefully work itself out sooner rather than later. How has has life changed much for you since the pandemic? Like your your usual way of life and yeah, yeah, a lot actually, cause I used to be a gym rat, like in the gym, five days a week, four five days a week. You know, obviously that changed. I had to start working out from home, which it was hard for me to get consistent with that, just because I'm used to like weights and stuff. So that was tough. You know, I always traveling. Um, I like to start the year. I don't think I was ever here in Atlanta for longer than two weeks. I was always out somewhere between LA and New York. I came home in February. Kakila had a show. Um, so yeah, just just kind of everywhere, you know. So that was tough because I, I am not used to being in the state for this long. So I kind of have cabin fever right now where I just like, I need to get out of, of Georgia. So that's that's been tough, you know. Yeah, and just like my life hasn't been destructured in a long time. You know, which is boring to me. Like, I hate, like, doing the same thing every single day. Wake up, go to the studio. Again, I'm thankful. Don't get twisted. I'm thankful for the job. But I'm so used to, like, having something else going on. Like, I'm so used to being here this week. Then in, like, two weeks, I might be going to uh, New York. Then I might be in Orlando a week after that. Then I might be going to L.A., you know. So that's, that's the, like, the life I like to live. You know, I love traveling. I love airports, you know. And I'm really, really, really missing that. Yeah, I, I can definitely relate. I myself, well, in a sense, like I like being home, but I also mm-hmm. like adventure. 
And I think we in Anigata, especially, we extremely blessed in that sense because other than the lockdowns, life hasn't changed at all pretty much for us. Because like, Anigata is a really small island with a super small population. Everybody know everybody. And mm-hmm. it's like, um, even here, we don't even really like wear masks in public or anything unless you like you go into like a store or a business because it's required by law. Right. But other than right. that, it's like you hardly you'll see anybody wearing masks and stuff. Like it's pretty much regular life. Okay. And Yo, I, I just want to say, right, I love it in Anigata. I only been to Anigata once. That was last year. Oh, that, year before. that kind of recent, man. Yeah, and yo, I had such a good time. Like, I was like, I haven't been at peace. Like, I like the peace I felt in Anigata in a long time. Like, I went mm-hmm. down to um, what a hotel in the call, um, a- ABC Anigata Beach Club. ABC, yeah, we went to mm-hmm. ABC just down there on the beach. Like, yo, like Anigata is a vibe, man. Like, I can't believe that was my first time going to Anigata, but I will be back next time I come home. I trying to come Anigata. Well, it gonna depend on what the world looking like, I guess. But man, <laughs> I I love Anigata, man. Yeah, man. When you reach out, link up for sure. Yeah. You did you go um horseback riding and stuff when you were here? I didn't go horseback riding. What did we do? We honestly we didn't do much. We drive one of the um the mokes around, so that was cool. Oh, yeah. That that's um, my father own actually. Okay. Yeah. Dope. So yeah, we we rent one of those. Um, we wanted to do the, um, the Kank Shell Island thing, but I think no boats were going out or something, something happened and we couldn't do that. So it was just really just chilling. Like we were just, just chilling, but I just loved the, the secluded feeling like the, like the calm man, like, oh, it's just a vibe. So I definitely coming back over to do all that stuff. You know, I want to see the Kank Shell Island. Oh yeah. You know, that's, I, want to do the I always tell riding. people. I always tell people Kangsha Island is like something you'll never see anywhere else yeah. in the world. Yeah, it's definitely gotta like, see that. Even me, like I grew up seeing it. Yeah. Every, like almost almost every weekend, me and my friends would just go out on our boats and we'll just go fishing or swimming or just for just for the fun of it. So like we grew up watching Kang Island. Yeah. And even to this day, when like I was underwater when it was last week, me and my friend went fishing. And like every time I see it, it's still something amazing, something to behold. Yeah, no. When I see pictures, I'd be like, yo, first of all, how have I never been? But I can't wait to... That's going to be good to do that post-pandemic, though, you know? Because I feel like I'm going to have a different appreciation and gratitude for seeing that. Definitely. Definitely. Even um, lockdown even gave me a special appreciation for nature in general. Because, like, especially a whole paychecks and stuff being cut and things, it was like... I, oh, and I also just had like a, I had a newborn baby too, right before oh, lockdown. congrats. Yeah, thanks. So like yeah. my, my daughter was born on a Wednesday, okay. like the next Friday we went into lockdown. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And and then my birthday was like the day after or something like that too. So like yeah. I, I spent all that through lockdown, but it was, it was, I still got the appreciation for it too though, because me and my friend, we would go fishing almost every day. And that's pretty much like how we were feeding our families. Because... Gotcha. And Anigata, like, we don't have no supermarkets or mm-hmm. anything like that. So, like, stuff does run out. And then even though we have, like, the little little stores here, it it's kind of expensive to shop here. Because, gotcha. like, pick, 
picture everything in Tatola is already expensive. Mm-hmm. And then the people, the stores from here have to buy their stuff from Tatola and then still have to pay the shipping from Tatola yeah. to Anigala. So and then they still have to make their profit on it too. Right, yeah. That's crazy. So if you pay if you pay for something five dollars in Tatola, you can probably pay like twelve dollars for it in Anigala. That's wild. That's yeah, wild. so like that's how we were feeding our families. We would go fishing. Yeah. And like all that stuff, like put like a special appreciation for nature back into my heart for sure. Yeah, even me, man. I like I have a special appreciation for home now that I literally because I used to be able to come home. I mean, like last year I was home so many times. You know, I could just get up and come home, but no, I can't. And it's like, yo, I also miss home. I also miss home. I definitely, I definitely understand. Oh, and I want you to do the house back right and let me know too, cause the the houses are actually my mom's. Okay, I running all the business over there. <laughs> yeah, connected like that over here. <laughs> uh, so okay, now let's get into politics. Obviously, you know about um, we have to do the four days quarantine when you come. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to provide a, a test that you took within five days of traveling beforehand. And then you have to take a test when you reach. Hmm. You got, I think, wait, is it like after four, the first four days when you're here, you take the test? Yeah. And then an, so. another test again after those four days. Yeah. So what what are your thoughts on it? And do you have any suggestions on what the government could do differently? Yeah, so... <laughs> it's tough. You know, I, I'd always say... I take my hats off to leaders everywhere right now because it's a tough time to be a leader. So mm-hmm. I don't want to act like that's those are easy sho- shoes to fill. You know, so first of all, I want to sh- start up by shouting out the government and Andrew Fai because for the most part, I think we've done a great job as a country, you know, handling this thing. I agree. Oh, keep in mind also that majority of the leaders in right now are first-time leaders. Mm, and that's a great point. That's a great yeah, point. Yeah, it's... it's- Pretty much Andrew Fai is pretty much like the only seasoned yeah. person there on, on the team right and now. And I think that's important to mention because, I mean, imagine your first go around and it's like, boom, pandemic, you know. The world ends. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> so that's that's crazy. So, you know, shout out to them because I don't want to start giving my opinion without first giving them the flowers that they deserve. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I feel like with, with this pandemic... You know, and my opinion of this has changed as things have, have progressed. But I feel like we're going to look back at this pandemic and and say that it wasn't as bad as we were making it out to be. No, don't get twisted. We have lost people and that's not to be taken for granted. You know, one loss is too much. So that's not to be taken for granted. However, I feel like you still have to look at the whole picture. And the whole picture is showing that the debt percentage is extremely, extremely small compared to the cases, you know. So I just feel like when considering that, we just have to do better at balancing the people and the economy. Now, will the people take more presidents as they should? Presidents as they should, yes. But I feel like we we have to, to strike that balance. And I feel like if we're telling people, hey, we're opening up the country, BVI love, and then it's like, BVI love, but you have to do this, 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 you have to pay for this, you have to pay for this, you have to pay for this. It's almost like, do you really want people to come? You know, and 
I I don't have a good understanding of what other Caribbean countries are doing, so I won't speak to that. But I feel like there has to be a better example of how it could be done out there. Because I don't feel like this is a great way to do things. You know, because if I'm a tourist, you're already paying whatever to get there. You know, if like if you fly in Delta, for example, you, you already know what that ticket going to look like. You know, and then now you got to go through, you can't come through the seaport. So you got to go through Puerto Rico. So you are already going out of your way a little bit than you normally might. So you're paying for that. You got to pay for lodging. You got to pay for the test them. You know, you are already almost a week into your vacation and you ain't really see nothing yet because of these protocols. And while I agree that we need to be safe, yes, 100%. It's like we have to find find that balance or find a way to where it's like, yeah, we're being safe. Yeah, we're taking in several precautions, but we ain't turning people off from coming, you know. And so I, I don't know. I don't know if they're going to go back to the drawing board. I don't know. Um, I know they start the whole youth coalition. I don't know if if they, they get a say in that. I don't know how that works, but I feel like I feel like they should go back to the drawing board, man. I just feel like there has to, or, or or maybe they need to talk to different Caribbean countries, you know, seek advice from, from different leaders of different countries and how they've done things because I could be wrong. I don't think that this is the way every Caribbean country is doing it. Actually, to be honest, mm-hmm. based on um a lot of the ones I've seen, yeah. the BVI, we kind of in the middle. Okay. Like it has, let me put this right. It have countries like the way how majority of other countries go in. A lot of every all the countries, first and foremost, pretty much doing similar things, right? Okay. Um, but it's it has worked for some countries and it hasn't worked for other countries. It's like it's like pretty much hit or miss hmm. for a lot of countries. It have some countries now going back into lockdowns because their cases spiked. And then they have other countries kind of pretty much free and open. Okay. The BVI to me, like where we rank on it, how our government has handled it, we just okay, if that makes sense, you know? Okay. Like we we ain't bad, but we horrible, we we ain't good, we ain't great neither. We just we just okay. Okay. In a sense. I think like for example, like Anguilla or um the Cayman Islands. And I forgot this. There's a few others, but like, there. I remember seeing one country. Theirs was like 14 days quarantine. Wow. I saw another one was 27 days, hmm. and and then there was other ones that were similar to ours, but it was um five days quarantine. Okay. And you had to wear like a a wristband that tracks you. Okay. For like for like a week or two, and then you still had to do another test. So like. Our like our rules are actually pretty much they're not not none of the countries have like exact same rules, but they're kind of in line okay. in a sense. Well, maybe and from that perspective, maybe ours aren't that bad. Maybe we are just tripping a little bit. Maybe maybe ours aren't yeah. as bad as we we making it out to be. I that's that's kind of my position on it. Actually, I feel like I I don't totally hundred percent agree with everything, mm-hmm. right? But I feel like. It's not that bad. Okay. Like it's it could be it could be a lot worse. That's true. No. And then for sure. also too, I like to 
try and look at it from both ends. So like I see a lot of people complaining that it's only the airports. Mm-hmm. The only the airport that's going to be open at first, right? And not the seaports. Right. And I completely understand why come people will complain because the airport is expensive to travel through. Right. Let's be real. Terrence, we let some international airport is not the prettiest, nicest, well put together or organized airport in the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. And that's my employers. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's it's not that nice. Nobody don't want to really see the airport. And then it's almost, I mean, like, for example, like a ferry ticket from Tatola to St. Thomas is what, $50? Mm-hmm. Before you even get on the plane to leave Beef Island, you have to pay $50 the patch tax. That's not even your ticket. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, that's just to show you how much more expensive it is. Yeah. But at the same time, it's a control thing in a sense because you can limit a lot easier how many people come in on a plane at a time. Then you can limit the ferry. And then the ferry ports are are also very small ports of entry. There's not really adequate space in, I think, to handle a good set amount of people and then in the event have to quarantine somebody or... You know what? You check what I'm saying? It it just might be easier in in an order point of view just to do it through the airport yeah and on top of that you have to remember port authority still been making money through this pandemic because ships coming in to bring in goods and stuff and you know customs and things have to charge duties and thing the airport's basically been shut down airport authority balling brooks yeah yeah (laughs) so if you give airport this little head start in a sense it might help boost the economy in a sense too yeah i mean that's versus a good point how that's a good point how um the ferry terminal might do it yeah i mean it's tough you know it's it's tough you know just because you know i guess the other alternative would be uh shelter quarantine you know and and i guess you know a lot of people matter the fact well i guess we know what they're gonna do for locals yet i don't know if it's this I don't know if it's the same, if it's going to be the same thing. I'm sure it won't be. So I guess we probably, to be fair, we might be reacting before we have the full story, you know, because they might, they might make it way different for locals. And then we might be cool with it, you know, because I cool with a tourist having to pay for their own COVID test and, you know, worry about all of that stuff, you know, because I mean, that's, that's part of the buy-in to come into a country and potentially pass at risk, you know? So I cool with that. Yeah. I mean, y- you wanted to be here. Exactly. So, so this is what it, this is what it, it takes to be know? here. And I cool with that. <laughs> and like you said, for the economics, it helps us kind of get back because we charge in for, there's an upcharge now. So, you know, that helps us catch back up economically at least a little bit. So, you know, interesting perspective. I, I, I definitely see your perspective. And, you know, you even give me something to think about to where it's like just looking at other countries and what the extreme could be. You know, we ain't at the extreme. You know, we somewhere in the middle. So is it that bad? You know, and, and it kind of is what it is. And it's like, what's the other alternative really? Because I don't have a better alternative necessarily. That too. Like I've seen a lot of people... um complaining right especially on facebook but Mm -hmm. not many of them are offering solutions too and then some of the people are offering solutions right i would look at these solutions and be like well like this is like the simplest form of the solution you know Mm -hmm. like you saying this it's the way how you saying it's a lot easier said than done 
Right. Like on paper, it looks really good. But like when you start to get into details and actions and stuff, like how effective is this really going to be? And then we have to understand at the same time too, it, it don't have no guidebook to this pandemic. That's facts. We, we kind of all doing this at the first time together. Mm-hmm. You check? So like yeah. we're going to have to try some stuff and then see what kind of works and then make adjustments as we go along. Right. And um, like I said, I don't a hundred percent agree with everything, but my own my like my only main complaint has been that we should have been doing this in September and not December. Yeah, because we probably would have perfected it by now. Exactly, we should have been past this point already. No, I now is when sure. we should have been. You know, like I mean, literally, we're weeks stuff. away. We're weeks away from the opening opening at this point. So is mm-hmm. you know we're gonna kind of have to figure it out while it's happening which is unfortunate so i, I feel that the reason but, too why i think september would have been better is because that's when our tour season is closed a lot of people don't even realize this but the bvis tour season closes in the summer and that's mm-hmm. because tourists come here because they want to escape the winter mm-hmm. so we during the summer like september and august are the slowest months in the bvi for example anigata that's the one time, the, those two months is the one time a year when the restaurants close down because it's not enough tourists to keep them open. The yacht harbor is empty. You're lucky if you see one yacht for the week. Mm-hmm. And even the airport, we we might not get any flights a day. And we are customer probably getting maybe 10 flights a day. Right. So it's like we could have opened then when we had not as many people coming in. Right, you would have been manageable. It would have been manageable and then we could find the errors while mm-hmm. it was manageable. Right. F- figure out like, okay, well, we have only 50 people coming in and we find we figure out that this specific method doesn't work for us. Like it was kind of hard. It, we were struggling to do it with 50 people. We need to find a more efficient way to do it because when 200 people coming in, obviously if it didn't work for 50, it ain't going to work for the 200. Right, right. But now we open it in December, which is the heart of winter. Mm-hmm. When everybody and them grandmother, which is actually one of the busiest months for the BVI, it's right. December, January, February is like the, the three busiest months. And we have to deal with this big influx one time and try to figure out the errors as we go along with yeah. so many people at the same time. Right. And that's when people want to come home who are, who live away too. So yeah, that too, December is full of holidays yeah. and everything. So, yeah. I mean, that, that's my biggest complaint. We should have done been through this stage already. No, I think that's a good point. And then one of my issues, too, is I think we're running away from the fact that at some point, we're going to have to figure out how we live with this thing. You know, I think we are waiting for this vaccine or this, this fix-it that ain't coming anytime soon so i think we're running away from the fact that we have to figure out how we live with this thing and prepare for them spikes that are most inevitable you know so whether that mean more ventilators whether that, whatever that means you know infrastructure wise i think we unfortunately seem like we're running from it's almost like we 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 walk in to keep the case number down which is is a lot harder to do rather than preparing for a spike 
you know so that's that's part of my issue too i i hearing about okay we've been in this thing it's been nine months now however long it been since this thing has really gotten bad right you're close There's to nine months about close, close seven yeah seven, seven or eight right so yeah so so far, there's been no real slowdown. There's been the ebbs and the flows. There's there've been no real slowdown, and there's no real sign of a slowdown. Mm-hmm. There's only so long that you can suppress the economy or keep an economy closed to a certain extent. So I think the focus now has to be, and this is in every country, has to be okay. It's looking like this might be what the flu used to be because the flu at some point was a pandemic before we figured it out so it's looking like this is going to be the next flu for the next however much years we we figured out how to live with the flu we will have to figure out how to live with this and i think that needs to be a large not the main focus but a large focus for a lot of countries us included because i agree we make money off of people coming in and out you know so yep that's that's just the reality i think like this is some conspiracy type shit but i think <laughs> that um <laughs> when like these pandemics first start right mm-hmm. the countries do their best to try and keep it as contained as possible so it doesn't become an outbreak right right and then once it does become an outbreak, once the countries fail, because we failed, we failed to keep it from becoming an outbreak, the the, the entire earth, I mean. Mm-hmm. Once it fails now, it becomes this game of, okay, but are we making money or aren't we making money? And when I say we, I'm talking about like the 1%. Because mm-hmm. if you look at like Amazon, like Jeff Bezos and all those rich people, they've been getting richer during the pandemic. And I feel like those those are like some of the reasons why we continue with this specific approach instead of, all right, let's, yeah, this is going to be the next flu. Let's figure out how to live with it. Like, no, let's instill fear into the people. Let's keep hmm. the lockdown. Let's keep the control. We can keep the curfews. We can do this. We can do that. Because one, it's making the rich richer. And then two, it gives government control that they didn't have before right like when a government puts a curfew in place they effectively control what's going on crime goes down because everybody's home you know all the nuisances go away because everybody's home so i feel like like they kind of try to stretch it for as long as they can once it gets to that point yeah i mean and especially in this country because we're in a political year obviously so you know, I feel like a lot of things has have been used as as a political pawn, you know. You know, when you look at the stimulus situation in this country, you know, the one reason that a lot of people who are struggling, like there are people literally struggling who could really use there are people who don't need the pen the the um the stimulus check, but there are people who could really, really use the stimulus check, but it's been held up because of political games <laughs> you know and you know that's 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 sad and that's the part of capitalism that's unfortunate sometimes you know where everything becomes about control and the dollar you know when the people should be put forth and i guess in some ways that's where i respect our government because 
the people have definitely come first this whole way, you know, you know, because if not, the economy would have already been open and then they wouldn't have cared, you know, but every decision is based upon or made around the people. So I could definitely respect that to a certain extent. Well, I think our government has taken advantage of the control aspect also. Oh yeah. You think so? Because Yeah. Yeah. Because I feel like, um, I feel like there's no reason for us to be on coffee right now. I think we still are on coffee. I think we yeah. are not like from, from like 12. Yeah. 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 I think so too. It don't, it don't have no reason we need to be on coffee right now. Okay. Our curfews, all of our curfews have lasted much longer than they needed to. And then a lot of stupid laws and bans are put into place. Like like the when they banned scooter riders and bike riders. Mm-hmm. Why? Yeah, so I have a theory on the curfew. So my theory on the curfew is I think it's more of a mental thing than it makes sense on paper. Because when you tell people, hey, you have to be in the house by a certain time, they realize that, oh, this is still something serious that I need to be thinking about. And let me give you an example of that. So when they had take, when they had removed the coffee, remember that Friday? I forget. This was like a few months ago. It wasn't a Friday. It wasn't a payday on a Friday. They had lift the coffee. Mm-hmm. They either lift it or they had changed the time. I think they might have lifted it, I think. Don't don't quote me. But this was like a few months ago. And people went crazy that weekend. Everybody want a boat. Everybody want the bar. Everybody want the house party. And I get, you know, we humans, we we get a little bit of freedom. We want to go back to normal. But I think that's where the coffee comes in because it's a mental thing. Because one thing that I realized when they lift the coffee, we had people tweeting, oh, we COVID free over here. This, that, the other, boom, boom, boom. When that's a crazy thing to say. The reason it's a crazy thing to say is... That lasted one week. <laughs> right, right. Literally. Literally, literally Probably not even that long. So the reason that's a crazy thing to say is because the testing numbers weren't to the point of where you could even sit at. And it's still not even to this point. So the curfew, I believe, is to keep that mental thing up here on the people to where the people stay... I mean, it's a little bit of a control thing, I guess based on but but i think is a control thing to where it's to stop the people from hurting themselves because that, that's actually a really good yeah point, because when be they honest. got free on that friday the people them showed that they they had no control you know and i yeah, gave i gave but they went wild and then you know you mm-hmm. had people smuggling in you had people at bars several cases popped up so i think that's part of the curfew more than 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 to make sense it's more of a no, the people have to realize that this is still something to take very seriously. And because we don't have an active case, that don't mean that there aren't cases. Fair enough. Very fair yeah. enough. That's actually a really good way. To, I never thought about it that way. But I mean, don't yeah. get me wrong. You know, I was probably the only person in the whole BVI that had like lockdown. Oh, yeah. Like lockdown. Yeah, I had love lockdown. Like if they tell me like we're going back on lockdown right now again, I'd be like, shoot. Okay. Because <laughs> like since, since this whole pandemic stuff... It's like, I've been home anyways, right? Mm-hmm. I had to catch up on my work. I get to spend time with my daughter. i right, catching right. up on all my TV shows. I feel like I have like all this time in the world where I could like, where I get to record my podcast. I get to make my videos for YouTube. Right. It's in a sense kind of made me a little bit more creative because I don't have the freedom to go outside and do my usual videos. So now I have to come up with an interesting video in the house. Mm. 
But then, yeah, at the same time, it's like I've been getting work done because like, I do graphic design too. So like I've been able to catch up on all my orders. I do photography too. So I've been able to edit all my pictures and videos and everything. It's like, and then I just like, I like my house. Yeah, no, I really, I really, for sure. My house is cool. I have AC. I have a TV. The the right. internet works. I, I mean, when I say works, I mean like BVI works. I'm talking about like it all that good, but right. You check what I'm saying? Like I yeah, said, I get no. to chill with I, my daughter and watch her grow. And yeah, I love the. I love being home. Yeah, and I and I feel that to a certain extent, especially early on. I mean, it got old for me really quick, but early mm-hmm. on because my life wasn't as undergo, undergo, undergo. It felt mm-hmm. good some days to just come home and not have anything to do. To actually mm-hmm. have some weekends where I wasn't working, like, because that ain't normal for me. Like, usually seven days a week, you know, I, I at it. But during the pandemic, a lot of weekends, I ain't been having nothing to do. So I actually been able to sleep in stuff that I haven't done in like 10 years, you know. So that's been kind of cool because in a lot of ways, I feel like, felt like I needed that. Like, I felt like I needed to pump the brakes a little bit. So, you know, I'd, I'd, I always say when having conversations with people that, you know, when we look back on this, we'll see that there was things that all of us were able to at least take from the pandemic and say, you know, while it wasn't the greatest time, while it sucked, you know, I needed that. I needed time to mm-hmm. invest in my craft i need a time to sharpen my skills i need a time to start my podcast to you know expand mm-hmm. my graphics company i need a time to just relax i need a time to just sleep i need time yep. to just do nothing and i think that's important also very true yeah man do you think um again we can wrap it up just now but um no problem. Got just a couple more questions mm-hmm. do you think that the world will ever go back to what we knew was normal at first, I said no. But mm-hmm. the more that the pandemic went on, went along, I think I think we will. I think it might take a while to get back to the normal that we knew. I mean, it's gonna be the it's gonna be the normal that we knew, with a little asterisk on it, right? But I think mm-hmm. we've been doing life how we've been doing life for so long. That a year away from that life, I don't think it's gonna be a, a make a big difference, because when I look at how quick, like even here in Atlanta, this is one of the states where there's there's a mix of people. So there's the people who still taking the pandemic very serious, and then there's people who just don't care. So there's literally people in the clubs like normal, in the lounges like normal. Look how quick them people were able to go back to life. So I think just the innate human nature of us. We gonna get back to not. We gonna get back to some sort of normal. I mean, I don't know. There's there's definitely going to be a percentage of people who might never hug a person again. You know, who might <laughs> who might you know. But I think for the most part, we've been living the life that we've become used to for so long. You know, literally, I am 27 years old. I've been living my life the way I have been, where I'm interacting with people, not wearing a mask, all this stuff. For 27 years, you know, so a year of wearing a mask, distancing from people is not going to erase the last 27 years of my life. Yeah, I gonna think about mm-hmm. it. Yeah, it might change things slightly. But for the most part, my opinion is no. I'm kind of torn between it. I honestly don't know because on one hand, I feel like we stubborn. 
So mm-hmm. like like you said, like we we accustomed to this way of life, we want to continue this way of life, right? Right. But on the other hand, I look at places like Japan, right? Right. And I learned this probably last month or so. Something recently I learned. Um, when the Spanish flu hit Japan, the Spanish flu only lasted in Japan for about three years. From that's a long time. Yeah, it was. It's a long time. Oh no, it was. I think it was two years actually. My bad. I think it was from like 1928 to. Oh no, sorry. It was. It's actually 1918 to okay. like 1920 or something to that effect. It was like okay. exactly like a hundred years ago. Gotcha. When and then when it hit Japan. They all started, you know, wearing masks and social distancing and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I learned that this pandemic hasn't really affected Japan to a huge extent like it has other countries. Like Japan hasn't had like any lockdowns or stuff. They haven't shut down the economy. Everybody's still walking and stuff. And that's due to the fact that because from from 100 years ago when they had the Spanish flu, Mm-hmm. It has been a custom to them to just wear a mask. Like it's a normal thing in Japan that when you feel sick, you put on a mask. Or most people just wear masks on a regular. Yeah, so I for, didn't for I didn't I didn't know it until last month. So like in Japan for a hundred years, they've already been wearing masks. Hmm. Like you, you just wake up and you'll have a runny nose, and they be like, "Oh, I gotta, I gotta wear my mask," and they just wear their mask everywhere they go. Yeah, no, that's interesting. Very interesting, and their their way of life pretty much hasn't changed. Yeah, they haven't had to. They go... were already basically <laughs> living yeah. this social distancing and ma- masking up life. I guess well, probably not social distancing, but masking yeah. up life. The, the masking up life, and so like I'm, I keep thinking, we stubborn. We didn't want to go back to where we was, but. Yeah. I mean, this Spanish flu only lasted in Japan two, three years. And for the last hundred years, this this is their way of life. And they yeah. ain't changing it no time soon, especially not after now. Right. They probably can double up on it. Yeah, no, that's a great point. I mean, I do think certain things will change. Like, I think, I don't think New York will ever be the same again. Like, mm. that's that's how I feel. Like, I don't feel like New York, because so many people have left, like, New York. I don't think New York will ever be the same just because... That way of life is just like the opposite of everything that you're supposed to be doing during a pandemic. So you you can't really social distancing because of the transit system. The air mm. quality isn't good. You know, there's just so many stuff about New York. So I think like in like certain things will never be the same. Like I feel like living in New York and life in New York will never be the same. You know, um, so I I do think that we will feel like ripples like like five, ten, twenty years from now we will still feel the ripples of like things that we've learned, you know, because mm-hmm. I feel like we're going to, and the one thing I love is I feel like we're going to all be a lot like cleaner and hygienic going forward. Cause True. you know, there's, there were nasty people who didn't used to wash their hands like that. You know, there was all, you know, it was all types of stuff, but I feel like going forward after this, we're going to probably not get sick as much with like flus and what's not. From a genetic standpoint, that could actually be a bad thing, you know. True enough. True. No, that's, that's because very true. because without sickness and without germs, we can't build immunity. That's that's facts. That's facts. You know. <laughs> so if everybody clean and ain't got no more germs, and everybody getting sick, then that one person just happened to get sick, then we all fucked. <laughs> no, no, that's that's facts. And 
you know, and that's one thing that I think about too. What gonna be the long term effects of all this hand sanitizer, all this washing our hands, all this mm-hmm. fumes from these Lysol products? I I think about that all the time. But I do think we're gonna be more mindful of like just washing our hands. You know how mm. like just coughing in public. Like I think we're gonna be a lot more mindful as we should have always been. So I think there will be some positive ripples that we'll always carry with us. And there'll be some negative ripples too, you know. Um, and and there's gonna be a large percentage of people who gonna be like, yeah, there's certain things I just ain't doing. Like I ain't walk, I ain't, I never ride in public transit again. There's people gonna there's gonna be people that gonna say <laughs> I am never riding public transportation again, you know. Um, but I think for a large percentage of people will fall into normalcy really quick, relatively quick. Like within six uh, months after the pandemic is over, I think a large percentage of people will fall into just just normal life again. Because when I look at how quick people have been able to do it, like already, it just shows mm-hmm. me that oh, okay, yeah, people are ready to be back to normal. One last question, and then we can wrap things up. So, uh, how do you feel about like Americans? Like uh, you heard of the Tom Karen before, right? Of Car- yeah, yeah, Karens, yeah. Okay, so how do you feel about these Karens going out and don't want to wear a mask? Like, they're just arguing down with people in the stores and they just don't want to put on their mask. Man, I think it's so selfish. You know, I think one of the most beautiful things about this pandemic, for the most part, has been how it's brought us together. You know, it's crazy how something that we had to social distance for has brought us together, whether it be communicating like this, you know, over video, mm-hmm you know, over Zoom or whatever the case may be, you know, it's crazy how we're communicating more <laughs> than we used to be when we had access to each other in person. And that has shown a selflessness in a lot of people. So I feel like the Karens now who want to go out into the wall and you could have your beliefs. I feel like everybody is welcome to their opinion of the pandemic, of the mask and all of that. But I think it's a respect thing and it's about not thinking about yourself. So, you know, when you go to a ma- in a somebody business and they say that you have to wear a mask, it's not about you in that moment. They told you that you have to wear a mask to come into their business. And then mm-hmm. it's about the patrons in that business. So you might have an older person in there too who are at a higher risk than you. And because you wanted to be selfish and, and not wear the mask because of whatever your beliefs might be, you know, putting them at risk. You know, so I think it's I think it's it's crazy. I think it's very immature, very irresponsible, very selfish. You know, I was watching this video on Twitter. It was this celebrity, this this pretty celebrity woman. Um and she was just talking about how she went to a store, I guess, and they say you have to wear a mask. And she put on the mask, but she pull it down below her chin. But technically, she have on the mask. And I'm just like, yo, like, what are we What's doing? Like, you, you, like, you know, you know good and well that when they say that you have to wear a mask to come into their business, th- that means that you wear the mask the correct way. Were you on Twitter mm-hmm. or Instagram arguing that oh, technically you had on a mask? That's that's ignorance, like. You know, I, I, again, you could have your beliefs. You could have your beliefs. But if we're talking about being selfless, considering your neighbor, which we all should be doing, be doing during a pandemic, you wear the mask regardless of how you feel about it. Regardless of how you feel about it. So to all the people and the Karens out there who want to do what they want to do, just think about 
your your grandparents, your parents, anybody who is of risk in your family who could go out potentially and be exposed to somebody like you who aren't thinking about other people and then boom, they get a virus from them. You know, they are now at risk to potentially lose their life because somebody wanted to be ignorant, immature, and selfish. So think about you potentially doing that to somebody else and how you would feel in that person's shoes. So, you know, I think, I think, man, like more than anything right now, we have to think about our neighbors. You know, we have to think about our neighbors, you know, because this pandemic has, has broken down racial barriers, economic barriers, all of that, because we are dealing with the same thing. And rich or poor, we could all catch it. We could all potentially lose our lives. Facts. All right, then, man. Uh, any social media plugs you want to put in real quick? Let people know where they can find man, you. Man, just, just, just follow me everywhere at Dante Hodge, D-O-N-T-A-E-H-O-D-G-E. That's my social handle everywhere. Um, follow me on YouTube. I, I am building a YouTube channel slowly but surely. Just kind of posting positivity, bringing light to situations, you know, reviewing some of the cool stuff that I get to get my hands on, you know, kind of showing my life and some of the cool stuff that I get to work on. So subscribe to the channel, you know, of course, follow Wolfpack, Killatuma, Turn Me Up, Jcav, the family, you know, we are doing amazing things. What I like to say is amazing things. We have a new project coming pretty soon, hopefully, God spare, you know, so just stick and stay. But yeah, follow me everywhere. I, I feel like I'm a pretty chill person, you know, follow me on Twitter. I'm always on there talking smack, cracking jokes, all of that. Um, yeah, that's it. All right, then, man. Thank you for being a guest on the podcast. I appreciate you. Definitely. I appreciate you, man. Yeah, this was a good talk. For real. Bless. Yeah, man. You know what? I really enjoyed this episode of the podcast. Not only did we have a productive conversation, I think we were both able to learn a lot from each other, and it wasn't pretty much one-sided. Dante's a pretty cool guy. You guys should definitely follow him. And uh, definitely pay attention to when they're releasing that new album. After recording this, I just learned that um, like half the world is going back into lockdown again because of the second wave of corona. But yet there's people here that are so angry that we're not letting people in. Like I said, there should be some balance. Hopefully the government figures that out pretty soon. Um, my only complaint is that we're opening in December and not September. We should have been open, but such is life. Anyways, see you guys next Monday.